Last week, we started a new series titled Called, looking at God's greater purpose for our life. And if you were here last week, uh, you remember that we talked about the definition of a disciple. If you weren't here, I encourage you, go back and listen to that message, because it's going to be building and helping us as we move forward as a church to understand what our mission truly is. And our mission, we saw this last week, is to make disciples who make disciples, taking off the Great Commission. And we have a definition for what a disciple is. And a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and it is committed to the mission of Jesus. And that's the greater purpose that each and every one of us has for our life. Uh, Kira going off to school, you being retired, uh, our young children, anyone who decides to be a disciple, that's the mission and the purpose of your life. And this comes straight from Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Verse we read last week, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will have you become fishers of people. And we see this definition outlined in this exact verse. So we see the follow me part, and that's the first part we looked at last week, following Jesus. That a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, taking the invitation that he has extended to each and every one of us to follow him. The second part we see is that, and I will have you become, and that's being changed by Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. The change that happens within us, that God does, that Jesus does in our lives, and I will have you become. And the third part of that definition, fishers of people. And that's joining God in his mission, joining Jesus and being committed to the mission that he has for each and every one of us. So being a disciple is someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. And we saw last week in the calling of the first 12 disciples that Jesus didn't ask them to get their lives cleaned up before he invited them to follow him. He didn't choose those 12 disciples because of who they were. He chose them because of who they could become. And the same thing applies to each and every one of us. The invitation's been extended for us to become disciples, not because of who we are, because we know that we're nothing, but because of who he can have us to become. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to become, to be changed, to be more like Jesus? When Jesus called the disciples, they understood that this was more than just a short-term deal. This was something that was going to change their lives, radically change their lives. Because being a disciple means being changed. And we saw last week that following Jesus isn't a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. If you remember, to take up your cross, to deny yourself, to daily choose to follow Jesus. You might have prayed a prayer. You might have asked Jesus into your heart. You might have been baptized. You might have been saved. But following Jesus is not just a one-time decision. It's an ongoing decision daily to follow him. And the same thing applies with the second aspect of being a disciple. We're being changed. It's not a one-time change. There's a miraculous change that just happens in your life and everything is now different. But Jesus calls us to be changed, to become a lifelong maturing disciple. It's actually the, the word that we call sanctification. You might have heard that word in church before. To be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made more like Jesus. To be maturing, to be growing. See, some of us have an incomplete definition or an incomplete idea of what it means to be changed. We believe that if you spend time in church, that that equals maturity. 
If you just come to church, you're changed. But many of us can testify that we've spent a lot of time in church, but we don't really see much change in our life. Maybe you felt like that as a Christian. You came to church, you come to church, maybe for weeks, maybe for years, maybe for decades, but you don't feel changed. Sometimes I've been a living example of this. I hate to say that there are not only weeks that go by, there are years that go by that have gone by in my life where I really haven't been changed. Because time in church doesn't equal change. Stopping certain behaviors doesn't equal being changed. I've talked with people throughout the years that have said they wanted to go back to church so they could stop yelling at their wife or so that they could make better financial decisions or they could stop drinking so much and they thought if they just change those behaviors then they're going to be growing, maturing, becoming changed, becoming more like Jesus as a disciple. But that's just a phrase that we use called behavior modification. And that's not being changed into a disciple of Jesus. See, stopping or starting certain behaviors without being changed at the heart level is just something superficial. It's often what we see in the Bible, Jesus talking to the religious leaders and calling them hypocrites. We talked about that a few months ago in a series. Actors, pretending. And time and time again, Jesus challenged the religious leaders to following a set of rules making outward changes without an inward change really wasn't being changed. In Matthew 15, 8, he said, these people honor me with their lips. They do the right things. They say the right things. They don't say the things they shouldn't, but their hearts are far from me. See, going to church, knowing about God, knowing the Bible, even studying the Bible doesn't mean you're being changed by God. Many of us know the Bible. Our heritage, the restoration movement that we come from, prides itself on knowing the Bible, knowing the Word. But discipleship, growing as a disciple, being changed by Jesus doesn't equal education. You can spend years going to Bible studies and attending church and not be growing. Some of us might look at our own lives and feel that way. We've spent tons of time, but we don't feel changed. And I believe that's actually the number one problem facing churches today. It's not people's busy schedules. It's not the declining moral standards of our society or the far left or the far right. It's Christians who've settled for going to church, for knowing the Bible, without being changed by Jesus. What you know and what you can do don't make you mature. I've spent years reading my Bible and on some weeks, I'm a fairly decent public speaker. That doesn't make me a mature disciple because I have studied the scripture and can talk in front of people. As I'm following Jesus, as I'm walking with him, as I'm learning from him, as I'm studying him, I'm following so close that it impacts the decisions I make. But it also impacts the motivations behind those decisions. And that's being changed from the inside out. That's the kind of change that Jesus wants to see in our life. That's the kind of change that you want in your life. You don't want to just settle for going to church and doing some good things, putting some money in the basket, reading your Bible every once in a while, saying prayers when you remember. You want to be changed. 
I know you do because we all have this great desire within us for this purpose. And that purpose comes from being changed by Jesus. So how do we know if we're being changed by Jesus? How do we recognize it in ourselves? How do we recognize it in others? If you've got your Bibles, let's open up to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. So the, this is what it means to not be being changed. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy. So far, these are pretty rough, huh? Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are the things that are not, that, that signify that you're not being changed. But he goes on. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, Paul's saying not being changed is obvious. If you're not being changed, you're sexual and moral. You have outbursts of anger. You practice witchcraft and strife and indecent behavior. And some of those things we think, yeah, I'm not doing that. Most of us in this room don't struggle with a lot of those. What about selfish ambition and outbursts of anger? See, being changed means that those fruits of the Spirit are growing in our life. You're being changed to exhibit those characteristics more and more, not just in your actions. If you look at the fruits of the Spirit are not actions, they're attitudes. They're positions of your heart from which your actions would flow. So how do you know you're changed? Jesus gives us a picture of how we are changed in John chapter 15. That's what we're going to look at in a moment. John chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles, turn to that. We're going to camp out in this passage for a while. How are we changed? The answer is in John 15. Jesus says this starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you would bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. 
These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now, this whole vine thing might be a little strange to us today, but to the disciples, this was a familiar illustration. Jesus is using this illustration of a vine and its branches. And in this illustration, he's showing us how we experience the second part of being a disciple, of being changed by Jesus. He says, guys, I am the true vine. You're not the vine. He says, I am. And my father, he's the vine dresser. He's the master gardener. His job is to tend the vines, guiding them, overseeing and creating this beautiful vineyard. He says he will remove, or your translation might say he cut off, would cut off those branches that don't bear fruit. But before we get the idea that God is going around with a giant pair of clippers looking for you to mess up so he can sniff off your branch, that's not really what this word means here. The word here for cut off or, or to take off, ario, can be translated cut off or removed, but it can also mean to lift up, to set right. And you and I, says, we are the branch. We're supposed to bear fruit, but we don't produce the fruit. The vine does. And our job is to stay connected to the vine. What happens to a branch that is disconnected from its source? It, it falls off, right? And it begins to wither. And I heard an illustration of this one time that a branch that's been cut off is no longer alive it's just a stick. This is just a stick. And this is how many of us are in our relationship with Jesus. Our discipleship journey has stopped because we're no longer growing. We're no longer connected to the vine. We're just a stick. So don't be a stick. That's all you take away from this morning. That's good enough. Don't be a stick. Because here's what happens when these are cut off. This has a little bit of leaves you can see left here. They look dried and withered. But what happens and what's happening in so many of our lives is that we've been cut off. We're no longer connected. But when this first gets disconnected, it still looks all right. These leaves are still green. It looks like a growing, thriving branch. But what happens over time as it's not connected to its life source, as it's not becoming, as it's not being changed, it withers and dies. So don't be a stick. God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, he says. And we are the branch. And a branch that's supposed to bear fruit. We don't want to be sticks, but we don't produce the fruit. The vine does. Remember, we are being changed by Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. So what's our role in this? So remember, our definition of a disciple is being changed not by not sinning, not by going to church, not by doing the right thing. It's being changed by Jesus by being connected to him. And whose job is it? 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. There's that word again. Help you become more like Jesus entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you. He has called you. He's invited you just like he invited those 12 disciples. And he also will do it. He will help you to grow 
He will cause you to be sanctified. He will help you become changed. See, in our definition of a disciple, we see who does the changing. We are being changed, but not by our work, by God working in us. So what are we supposed to do? I mean, that's really the bottom line for us, right? Is what are we supposed to do? What's our part in this? What's our role in being changed by Jesus? We've seen Jesus say it several times in this passage we just read in John 15. But it might not have been obvious. Because we're often looking for a behavior. But the job of us is to remain. You saw that word several times, over and over again. Jesus saying, remain in me. Or your Bible might say the word abide. Abide. That's a word we don't use a lot, but abide means to remain. Or really, to continue to be present. To be connected. Being changed is abiding, remaining in him. Being connected as the branch to the vine. How do we continue to be present? How do we remain in him? How do we abide? How are we being changed? John 15, 9, it said, Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain or abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Wait a minute. I just said a minute ago, it's not about doing the right things. Jesus is saying, keep the commandments. We think that means follow the rules, right? Do the checklist, go to church, do the things I'm supposed to be. Don't mess up, do the right thing. And God's going to love me if I do the right thing. It doesn't say his love is a reward for obeying. See, we can read this with the wrong paradigm and think Jesus is saying, I will love you if you keep my commandments. But that's not what this passage says. That's a transaction. And Jesus isn't talking about a transaction. He's talking about something different. He's talking about a relationship, being connected to the vine. But many of us have believed that it's a transaction. If I do these things, then I will be changed. And that's either turned us off to following Christ because we don't want to be told what to do, or we're so filled with shame and frustration because we've been sitting in this room or whatever church you might have been a part of for maybe decades and not feeling changed. We've worn ourselves out trying to abide. Now, when I was eight years old, there was a preacher named Landon Saunders. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Landon Saunders, but he really captivated me. He was an older gentleman, and by that I mean he was probably my age now, but when I was eight, he seems this old guy. And he was sort of a famous preacher and teacher in, in churches in the Midwest, and he wrote some really great books and study materials that, that really transformed a lot of people's lives. And I loved listening to Landon, even as an eight-year-old. There was just something about him that drew me in because he was changed. His life was different. He was so full of peace and joy. And he was just a changed person. He wasn't flashy. There was absolutely nothing cool about Landon. He wasn't really that dynamic of a speaker. He wasn't funny. But there was something about the connection, the relationship that he as a branch had to the vine that just drew me in. And I wanted that. 
because I saw the purpose that God had working out in his life, the greater purpose of him being a disciple, and it was intriguing to me. And I wanted that. And he would often stay at our house when he was doing speaking engagements in town. Here's actually a picture of Landon and I. I'm the little one. <laughs> Look at that suit with that clip-on tie. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's me with Landon. And Landon Saunders was just such an inspiration because he was changed. And one night after one of his messages, he took me out for ice cream. And I don't remember the exact things we talked about, but I do remember that I wanted to know what I had to do, what I had to have to become like him. I wanted that life. See, I grew up in a Christ-centered home and my parents loved the Lord and I was a good kid. I was following a lot of the rules. I had been in church my whole life. I loved the Lord, but I didn't feel changed. And I remember wanting to know how to get it. And I asked him for his study guides and his lessons and tapes, if you remember tapes, cassettes back in the day. And he, would, he sent them to me. And Landon wrote me a letter attached to one of the study guides. I have it in my office. And inside that, here's what Landon wrote to me at eight years old. He said, you are a fine lad. The most important thing you can do right now is to love your parents and sister and be obedient to your parents. That is your best hope. Memorize Hebrews 5, 8 through 9. Never give up your friend Landon. He dated August 25th, 1985. And he goes, what's Hebrews 5, 8, 9? Although he was a son... He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him, being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's quite a verse to send an eight-year-old. <laughs> I was looking for some kind of silver bullet. I was looking for the thing that if I would just do it, then I would be changed. My life would be different. Now, I didn't use this word, but I wanted to know what I had to do to abide, how I would become a changed person. I don't know how many, if that's a normal question that an eight-year-old asks, but that's what I was asking at eight. And his advice to me, now granted, Hebrews 5 might not have been the best place to send an eight-year-old, but he was trying to encourage me to abide, to stay connected. And in my context, where I was on my journey to be more like Jesus, one of the best ways that I could abide, that I could be changed, that I could become more like Jesus, was to be full of obedience to the family that loved and supported me. But I remember not being happy with that advice. Because once again, I was looking for the thing that I would just do. If I would just do this or not do that, then I would be changed. I wanted the answer, some profound, dramatic thing. And just in case you think that maybe older Stephen, decades later, doesn't struggle with this. I still do. I'm often looking for just the thing. If I would just do this, if I would just change this about my life, then I would be changed. And I would be more like Jesus. Because I still struggle with what Jesus is saying in John 15. And you do this too. We do this when we think changing a few behaviors, no matter how dramatic they might be, means that we're being changed by Jesus if we would just follow certain rules, if we would just go and do the right things, then we would be changed by Jesus. But our relationship with God isn't based on following or not following the rules. 
Now let me make one thing clear. The problem isn't rules. There are people, and you may be one of them, who thinks your relationship with God is based on rules, but the problem isn't that there are rules because there are rules in every relationship. Think of any relationship you have. There are rules that you follow. Think about your family. Every family has rules. In our family, we have a rule that you don't have your cell phone at the dinner table. And that rule doesn't make us a family, but that rule exists because we are a family. And just like in a family, his love is not a reward for obeying the commandments. It says that one of the ways that we abide, one of the ways we remain, one of the ways that we are changed is by obeying his commandments. But his love isn't a reward for good behavior. It's how we stay connected. And this isn't just something we do once. It's going to touch us one thing that we do to make ourselves becoming more like Jesus. He actually says in John 10, 3, he says, you've already been made clean. Right? Think about that. You've already made, been made clean, but I want you to become, to remain, to be present, to be a branch connected to me. That's the process of sanctification that happens over a lifetime being changed by Jesus through his power, the Holy Spirit working in your life. That as you're following Jesus, yes, through studying your Bible and learning more about him, but also through the Holy Spirit revealing areas in your life where your heart motivations aren't what they're supposed to be. So as you follow me, as you obey my commandments, you abide in that abiding, that continuing to be present with God. That's how Jesus changes you to be more like him. The scripture tells us, as you remain in me and I remain in you, you grow in your love for me, our bond, it becomes stronger. And that bond, that connection, that abiding, it causes us to want to continue to obey, to continue to grow, to be changed, to be more like Jesus. Because the obedience, it flows out of a relationship, not out of an obligation. So what's the biggest obstacle to you becoming, being changed to be more like Jesus? Is it Satan? Is it your bad behavior? Is it not going to church? No, it's you. It's me. It's my will. It's my desire to be in control. See, some of us want to be the vine dresser. We want to shape our own lives. We want to be independent. We want to be the God of our own lives. Some of us want to be the vine. We want to produce our own fruit. We want to just do something that if I do these things, then I will become more like Jesus. But remember, you're the branch. Be the branch. Our job is to abide, to remain, to stay connected. And one of the ways that we do that is through obedience. And we've got two almost grown daughters. And, and they lived a life that was full of obedience. Not always, but often. And I remember as they were young, they would uh, understand that things were different in our family than others. There were things that they did as a family that, that their other friends didn't do. And they saw a difference as they got older of if they followed the rules, not by following the rules, but being obedient to their parents who loved them, if they remained, if they stayed connected to us, they saw things be different than their friends. They saw a change in themselves. 
And one of my daughters shared this with me a few years ago. They said, at first I thought your rules were stifling and overly strict compared to some of my friends' parents. But as I watched those friends develop in different ways and make choices that were harmful, I came to realize that the rules I originally disliked were rooted in a place of love. See, because now they're old enough to follow the rules, not out of obligation, but out of love for us. Because they recognize that the rules are there because of our love for them. And that produces a closeness, an abiding, a connectedness in our family that changes the dynamics of our family. And it brings joy to us all. But Jesus said, my joy will be made, your joy will be made complete if you are connected to me. See, at their age, we don't have to tell them what to do. They're not always perfect. We all make mistakes. But they've been changed by abiding in our love. And the choices they make flow out of a life that's being changed by being connected, abiding in our family. But being changed by Jesus, change like this doesn't happen by accident. It has to be intentional. See, being a disciple does not happen by accident. Churches across the world are full of people who think it's going to happen just by accident. That I'll just show up or I'll read what I'm supposed to read or I'll put money in a basket. I'll stop swearing. I'll do whatever it is that you might think you need to do to become more like Jesus. And if I just do that, I'll become a disciple, but being a disciple does not happen by accident. It involves a decision, a choice. We talked about this last week, the choice that we made in following Jesus, not just once, not just the time you came forward and decided you want to follow Jesus, but a daily decision. And it's a decision that means being changed by Jesus isn't something that just happens by accident. You don't just stumble onto being a disciple. But many of us live that way. We keep ourselves busy with things, thinking if we just do enough of these things, we'll be changed. And just like it's easy for us to do that, for me to do that, it's easy for us to do that as a church. Now, in the year I've been here, the staff has gotten used to me asking one simple question whenever somebody wants to put something on the calendar or have an event or launch a new ministry or a ministry that we've been doing for a long time. And the question is simply this, why are we doing this? And I don't ask that question with any ulterior motives or in a passive-aggressive way. But see, I know that it's so easy for a church, just like it is for us, to just schedule things, just do things, to plan activities. And if we're busy enough, as Christians, we trick ourselves into thinking we're fulfilling the mission of the church. So remember the mission that we looked at last week of every church, no matter how they might do it, is the same. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. That doesn't happen in our lives and it doesn't happen in our church by accident. It has to be intentional. I want my life to be intentional. And I want our church to be intentional. And we're working towards creating systems and structures to help us be intentional in what we do and why we do them. But we can start this today. We start by making a decision to follow Jesus, a daily decision as we talked about last week. 
We'd be part of a church, part of the body, trying to be the branch, staying connected, abiding, becoming, being changed to be more like Jesus. So I want to ask you a question as we wrap up our time this morning. Am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? So ask yourself that. Are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? Than you were a week ago? Some of us, we can look back and say, I don't think I'm any different. I've not been changed for years. I've been disconnected from this branch. And now I'm just a stick. And for a while, that stick looks okay. But we're not connected We're not remaining, we're not abiding in Christ. We're not becoming, we're not being changed by Jesus. So that's the question I want you to look at this week. Am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Are you changing to become more like Jesus? Are you a branch or are you just a stick? Let's pray together. God, this invitation that you've extended to each and every one of us to follow you, Lord, I pray that for those of us who have made that decision, that we would make that decision daily. And Lord, just as the disciples dropped everything and got connected, stayed as close as they could to you, Lord, I ask that we would do the same, that we would remain close to you through time in the word, yes, through going to church, yes, through doing right things, yes, but really about being connected to you, allowing you to change us from the inside out. God, I pray that each and every one of us would reflect and really ask the question, am I becoming more like Jesus? Because that's what it means to be a disciple, to follow you, following you continually, being changed, not just a one-time change in our life, not just giving up some bad habits, but being changed daily to more reflect you and being on mission with you. God, help us to be a true disciple who's following, being changed, and committed to the mission of Jesus. His name we pray in the church together said.